Welcome to the Faith Christian Church Podcast. You're listening to a message from one of our many gatherings that we have throughout the week. For more information on service times, ways that you can be a part of the work that God is doing in our communities, and so much more, you can visit our website at faithchristianwi.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. And I think we can all relate to that experience in that moment that Jesus just reached down and touched our lives and to go back to that. And that's kind of what I hope that each of us do during this week is not only celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, which is amazing because that's what it's all about, but to put ourselves back into that place and just thank you, God. Thank you for all you've done in my life. And so uh, before we start, let's pray. God, we're so thankful for everything you're doing in our lives. We're so thankful for the ability to come here and worship you freely, God. Thank you, Lord, for the words that you, you, you speak through, through me and, and what we say and do, God. And we just love you so much. And let everything we do be done unto you. And we're so grateful and so thankful for that perfect love that chooses not to look at who we are, but who you are going to make us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we'll examine the exchange between Jesus and Zacchaeus. You can turn to me to Luke chapter 19. We're going to read verses 1 through 10. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see Jesus and was but on account of the crowd, could not because he was small in stature. We'll get back to that. So he ran on ahead and climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus, for he was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up to him and said, Zacchaeus, hurry up and come down, for I have to stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus hurried and came down and received Jesus joyfully. And when they saw it, the crowd around him saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of all my goods I give to the poor. And I, if I have defrauded anyone, anything, I will restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. Before we begin, I want three quick observations. Number one, verse three makes it painfully obvious why I was chosen to speak about Zacchaeus. He was a man of small stature. I wasn't part of the planning meeting for this series, but I imagine if I was there, it's like they strategically did this. Be like, yeah, this will be funny. So, by the way, I did a little research, and back then, I was tall for a Jewish person, okay? I was, so Zacchaeus would have been a little shorter than me. I was a giant. No. Uh, anyways, wow, yeah. And so, uh, number two, rich men don't climb trees unless they have a reason. And number three, Jesus knew Zacchaeus' name. And you know, it's almost like Jesus knew that this event was about to take place, that this very scene was about to unfold, and he was going to meet Zacchaeus in a tree. Because in Luke 18, 9, Jesus tells the crowd that's with him a story that sets up what's about to take place in front of them. We're going to read that here. Luke 18, 9. He also told the parable to some, those that trusted in themselves and thought that they were righteous and contempt of others. 
He, he said two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed this way, God, I thank you that I am not like those other men, extortioners, unjust adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes on all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his chest, saying, God, be merciful on me. I am a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you that this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. They don't even realize that shortly after Jesus gives them this parable, it's happening right before them. It's because religion blinds people. Our self-righteousness blinds us to the beauty of God's grace at work in other people's lives. We get so caught up in works righteousness and doing what is good that we forget about our own experiences with Christ at the foot of the cross. You know what I'm talking about if you've been a Christian for a while. Whether it's the person that God tells you, hey, go witness to that person. Go talk to that person. And you, maybe you know them and maybe you don't. Maybe if you do know them, it's worse because you know the reputation, you know who they are and what people might say if they see you talking to them. And, and then, or maybe it's, maybe it's the person at church for the first time that you see. And it's their first time and it's a Sunday morning and you know for sure they're out partying late Saturday night. Maybe that used to be you. I don't know. But we forget about what God has done in our lives and we become hardened. We become self-righteous. And we need to be careful of that. And so that's one of the things I see here is that the very story that Jesus told them, they walk it out with him physically and they still don't get it. The crowd behind him murmurs, well, I can't believe that Jesus would do this. If he's supposedly the, our king, if he's supposedly God in flesh, there's no way he would make himself dirty because to be associated with a tax collector, with someone who would rip off his own people, would mean that you're impure, that you become unclean by association. And Jewish law states that they would have to cleanse themselves in order before they could go back into the temple, before they could be in right standing with God. But Jesus is doing away with all that because he is the king. Something that is dirty cannot make him dirty, but because he's so powerful, his cleanliness makes those that are dirty clean. And so we have to be careful of that. If we've been Christians for a while, if we've been uh, serving God for a while, we have to be careful of that attitude entering into our hearts. But here's the three main points from my story that I want to talk about today. Number one, don't climb trees unless you have a reason. Anyone like climbing trees or used to like climbing trees? Yeah, Jasper over there, you love it. It's fun, isn't it? I remember a couple times as a kid, one time I climbed a tree um, with a friend of mine. It was a pine tree, and it was the spring, and so the sap is flowing and stuff like that. And I come home, and my hair is full of sap, and everything. I'm sticky head to toe, and I was supposed to go get a haircut. And uh, anyway, so. But the biggest, most uh, memorable story of climbing a tree happened when I was in an internship program at 20 years old. Most men, most people are kind of mature at 20. I was not. I, I'm a little slow behind that level. And so um, we were in Arizona on a missions trip, and we were ministering to a Christian Indian reservation up in the mountains of Sholo, Arizona. And there was one guy on the trip named Ken. And Ken and I have a love-hate relationship. See, this story is so painful, Lori's got to leave. Lori's got to, she's got to go. She's like, I can't listen to this. So um, 
Let, so to set the story up a little bit, we're in the mountains of Sholo, Arizona. It's beautiful up there. And I'm a co-leader on the trip. They never trusted me before to be the leader, but they're like, you know what? Our options are slim. Donovan, you're a co-leader. <laughs> that thought left my mind almost immediately. And so we're hiking one day. We have a day off, and we're on this reservation, and we're up in the mountains. And me and Ken had, like I said, a love-hate relationship, and, and um, he's, we would dare each other to do dumb things all the time, right? And if you didn't do it, you'd be like, what's the matter, chicken, you know? And at 20, of course, you know, that's the challenge. And, and so there's this tall pine tree, and he's like, I dare you to climb that pine tree. It's like, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. He goes, what are you, chicken? I was like, no, I'm wearing new shorts, and I don't want to get them dirty. He gives the best solution possible. He goes, so take them off. <laughs> and there's only guys with us. We're in the middle of the woods in the mountains of Arizona. So obviously, challenge accepted. I'm smart enough to know that I don't leave my shorts down there because he'll take off with them. So I take them off, and like any smart man would do, I tuck them up under my sweatshirt. And I climb the tree, and I get back down, and I said, ha, you do it. And he goes, nah, I don't feel like it. I was like, man, son of a gun. So I take my shorts off, and I go to put them on, and he grabs him and takes off running. So I sit there and wait. Five minutes, 10 minutes. It's getting cold. There's still snow on the ground. He ain't coming back. Guys, we don't have cell phones back then, right? This is 1999. Um, so I'm like, I got to go back. I mean, what am I going to do? So luckily I have a sweatshirt on and a T-shirt under there, underneath there. So improvising, I'm like MacGyver. I take my sweatshirt off and I put my legs through the arms of the sweatshirt. <laughs> right? Walking back. Come back to the reservation with the Christian school. Oh, right. And Ken, like Braveheart, is waving my shorts, running across the field like this. I have to explain to our leader on the trip, who is one of the directors, why I was running through the woods in my underwear. It was not good, so don't climb trees unless you have a reason. Zacchaeus had a reason to climb that tree. There was something about Jesus that caught his attention. You see, Jesus looked different from a lower perspective, and he couldn't quite see what he wanted to see. He had to get to a different elevation. Have you ever taken a child walking through the woods, and the grass is slapping them in the face and stuff, and, you, you know, sticks and thorns, and they don't get it. You don't get it because we're up here. And, and we're not down there, so we can't see it. But I remember one time my mom got down on my sister's level, and she saw that all my sister could see is grass and thorns and sticks. She couldn't see the beauty of everything out in front of her. And so it's like Zacchaeus, he had to get to a higher elevation to see Jesus for who he really was. Because sometimes it's hard to see Jesus from the perspective of the world. It's hard to see him through those eyes. Because some people say he's just a good man. Some people say he's a prophet and that he did good works, but people don't see the deity of Jesus. They don't see who he truly is. And so unless you're willing to climb to a different height to gain a different perspective of Jesus, he's going to look to you just like he does the rest of the world. 
And until you do that, until you climb a tree, until you get to a quiet place, until you allow the noise of this world and the distractions to be away from your life, you can't see Jesus for who he truly is and what he wants to reveal to you. We come back with a distortion. We come back with religion, with traditions, and the things that have been handed down to us. But sometimes you just got to climb a tree. But remember, there needs to be a reason for it. And so I know people who have read the entire Bible several times. They attended church and even pastored who now deny the deity of Christ. It's because it became mundane to them. It became every day. It became something that was just a part of their life that they did. And without the freshness and the relationship and the love of Christ permeating yourself, we can't possibly see and experience what Jesus really has for us. We cannot be blinded or tainted. The second point, he knows your name. Jesus is intentional in all that he does and very aware who is around him. Naturally, he picks the rich tax collector in the tree to call down and have an encounter with. Everyone knew Zacchaeus. How could they not? He worked for the Roman Empire, extorted money from his own people for his own gain. The Romans were not liked by the Jews. It was an oppressive time, and you think the taxes are a pain now? Imagine a band of soldiers coming to your house, taking your children as slaves or your property by force until you can repay what was owed. Now imagine one of your own people doing it. So Jesus knew all of this because when Jesus knows your name, he knows your past. Except he never addresses it. He never even addresses and says, Zacchaeus, I know what you did yesterday. I know that it's tax season and that you are like a shady H&R block rep. And you're going out and that is not what you should do. He doesn't even talk about that. He simply starts a conversation with Zacchaeus. He simply says, I love you. Forget about the past. Do you know what Zacchaeus means? Pure and clean, yet he was anything but. However, that was about to change because when Jesus calls your names, things are going to be different. Jesus wants to call out to us. He wants to draw out of us. He sees something in Zacchaeus. He knows that he was never, that, that maybe, maybe his father was a tax collector or maybe there was some circumstance that he said, maybe it was greed, who knows? But he was a tax collector. He was not liked, he was not loved. Everyone knew his past, everyone knew his reputation. Maybe some feared him, but all hated him. And Jesus knew this and he chooses Zacchaeus in a tree to be the last person that he personally ministers to before his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Galatians 4, 8, 9. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those things that by nature are not God's. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn your back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world which enslave you once more? Known by God. It's like us saying we know who Michael Jordan is. He doesn't know who we are, okay? And so, or knowing somebody, but not be known by them. So it's one thing to know God, but it's another thing to be known by God and to know that he knows our names. And that word known is a form of intimacy. It's not like, oh, hey, he's an associate, or oh, yeah, I go to, I go to church with Gary and we've talked five minutes of our whole life. I know Gary, but to be known to be known, the intimate details. The, the scripture's like, he knows the number of hairs upon our head. Some easier than others, 
Um, he knows your name. He knows when you rise and when you sleep. He knows how many heartbeats you have left in your life. That type of intimacy, and that's what he's talking about here, to not know God that way, but that God wants to know us that way. It paints such a beautiful picture of what he does and what is unfolding in front of our very eyes and what's about to take place as we celebrate this week. Number three, Zacchaeus makes a clear decision. Like each episode of This Is Us, we are left hanging. Does anyone watch that show? Right? My gosh, every single time. Anyways, we're left hanging. We don't really get to see what happens to Zacchaeus. All we see is a three-sentence interaction. That's what we see, a three-sentence interaction between them. We know in the moment he accepts the message for Christ, but did he change? Did he really follow through on his word to give half of his riches to the poor? We don't know. And I think God does that on purpose. Because we like to know the story because did he live a good life? Did he do it? Because it matters to us. Because we're doing it. We're living a good life. We're doing all that we can. And we want to know that, hey, this guy that's in scripture here, I mean, what happened to him? Because in my mind, I'm like, if he messed up a little more, then maybe I can mess up. You know, and there's loopholes or this and that. But, but the thing is, we want to know because was he really good? Did he really change his life? Because that would justify everything that we do, knowing how he lived. But it doesn't matter. Turn to me to Luke 18. One back, one page here. Verses 18 through 23, Jesus tells another story of another encounter he has with a rich man. And you see, they're both the same. They're both, this is, it's kind of neat because Jesus almost, it's like in Luke 18, like I said, he knew he was meeting Zacchaeus, and so he has an encounter with a rich young ruler. He has the story of the tax collector and the Pharisee, and it all unfolds before their very eyes. We have two very different outcomes. Verse 18 of Luke 18. And a ruler asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your mom and dad. And he said, all these I have kept from my youth. He's excited because I've nailed it, I've nailed it. I'm doing all the right steps. I'm following the law. And he said, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have, distribute to the poor, and you will have a treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing this, said, how different is it for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? How difficult is it for them to enter the kingdom of God? Again, cliffhanger. It doesn't say what happened after that point, but by context clues, we can see and and gain that he didn't make the decision to follow Christ. Two very equal scenarios, two different outcomes. The rich young ruler kept all of this stuff and walks away sad. I'd be sad, too, knowing that I followed every law, every moral code of my people, and yet it's not enough. Zacchaeus is joyful because he chooses eternity over riches, or at least he says he will. The offer of salvation was not predicated on their choice of what to do with their money. For both the ruler and Zacchaeus, the same offer was there. The same cards were laid out. Money did not exclude them from the kingdom of God. Nothing excludes us from the kingdom of God. Nothing disqualifies us. So whether we have it or we've done it, it's not an excuse. It's not an excuse to say God could never love me. If he loved Paul, 
who used to be dead set against Christianity and, and wiping out Christians, he loves us. And so we cannot be excluded. So if you've walked in here today with a thought saying, you know what, someone invited me to church, but I don't think God can love me because of I did this. It doesn't matter. It doesn't disqualify you. There are no disqualifiers. And when you have those conversations with people, it can be very tough. And I remember one time there was a Bible study that we had at our uh, previous church and we were at someone's home, and they invited a guy in, and it was the rough part of we're seeing. And, and he just came in, and, and was sitting there, and came for the food and the fellowship. And anyways, I remember having a conversation with him, and my old lead used to be, well, have you killed anyone? Because that's like the worst in our book. You know, because if God can forgive Paul, he can forgive anyone. Well, have you ever killed anyone? And he just looks at me, he goes, Yeah. Well, this conversation just went south. Okay, um, they didn't teach me the answer to that in Bible school. I don't know where to go from here. Okay, so, uh, you know, anyways, it's still the encouragement that it doesn't matter what we've done because Jesus' love, his love for us is not predicated on how good or bad we are because if it was, the rich young ruler would have been in. The Pharisees would have been in because they followed every law to the T. They did everything that they were supposed to be right supposed to do right but grace has nothing to do with the law and I think Jews were upset because they had followed God's word his law to the T but their hearts were in the wrong place and Jesus was coming in to change all that to be like okay you guys have all the right outside motive all the right side actions but none of the inside motive it's the motive of the heart that drives us to purity to following God there's the clear choice and we need to lay something aside that's keeping us from God's best. There's one more detail about the story of Zacchaeus and the encounter with Jesus that catches my eye. And it's in Luke 19.1. It's three words. Jesus entered Jericho. You see, 1,500 years prior, Jericho was a fortified city that God had given to the Israelites in a miraculous victory. Where after marching for seven days around Jericho, they all, the Israelites, praised the Lord and the walls of the city fell down. 1,500 years later, Jesus, God in the flesh, walks onto the scene having to do the same work over again. Only it's not the heart of the city that's fortified. It's the heart of his own people. And they have walls of stone around them. So once again, he's having to perform a miracle and bring down some walls to free people. Could this be your Jericho moment? Is this where you allow God to meticulously and miraculously break down some barriers? Maybe you're like Zacchaeus in need of a savior because plenty of people have told your past. They tell you everything that you're doing wrong. They know your life. They know who you are. But you need a savior to show you today that there is grace and love waiting for you. Remember, if he knows your name, he knows your past. But he's not gonna use it against you like everyone else. There's no need to hide. God will not use it to embarrass you. He just wants to give you a hope and a future. Or maybe you like me, you can relate to the Pharisee a little bit. In the background, kind of judging everyone's moves and motives, sitting in the church and looking over at the new person who may or may not be living right. Oh, I just saw them last night. I know they went into the bar, and here they are sitting on the front row of church. Are there any walls that we need to let God break down in us? Is there hardness of heart that keeps us, that hardness of heart will keep us from reaching out reaching what God has for us, using us as willing vessels. You see, regardless 
of who we identify with. We are all like the tax collector in Luke 18, in the temple. We all need to be coming before God humbly, asking for mercy, crying out to him, saying we're not worthy to receive what you have for us. But he is worthy enough to give it to us. He decides, and he decides that it's open and available to anyone. Close your eyes with me, please. Close your eyes. If there's anyone here today, and you say, I need Jesus, period. I know that I've been walking one way. I know that I've been following the ways of the world. And I've seen Jesus through the eyes of those people, but I haven't experienced him for myself. I haven't invited him into my home. And I want him to call me out from among the crowd. I want him to change my world and change me around. If you've never asked Jesus into your heart, I would love to take that opportunity with you today. If you could just slip up a hand, I would love to pray with you right now. If you would like to ask Christ into your heart for the first time. Or maybe like me, you're the Pharisee, and you need Jesus to chisel away at some stuff. You need Jesus to soften your heart. Let this be a moment where God breaks down those barriers so that you can keep reaching out to people. You want God to move and work in your heart. I'd love to pray for you. Raise your hand if you'd like to pray together. Thank you. Yes, yes. Father, thank you so much for your message of love. I pray for everyone here, God, that raise their hands, that you would help us to see past all of the past of people's lives, to see into their hearts just like you do. You look at them in their purest form. You can see past all of our filth. You can see past all of the junk that taints our lives, and you see who you created us to be. Father, help us to be able to see others through your own eyes so that we can have more opportunities to witness, so we can have more opportunities to pour out your love, to be that Jesus because you don't physically walk the earth anymore. You need us to carry that out for you. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you, Lord, for this week as we celebrate from Palm Sunday to Resurrection Sunday, all that you did, God. We glorify you and we honor you. And we thank you so much for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Happy Palm Sunday. If you'd like prayer for anything, there'll be people up front. Have a great day.